This is the Man Patriot Podcast, episode two. to the man patria podcast so this week has been excellent it has been fun on the news it's been great uh we saw um the omatosa trial um cheryl zondi came out and gave her testimony and she's got a lot of support from the public so let's see how that turns out i'll only comment on the case once the verdict has come out that way i can know how the judge is thinking um I'm not a big fan of uh, counting my chickens before they hatch. With regards to SARS, SARS as well has also been in the news. So um, we saw on SABC there was an interview with the head of IT of SARS and she goes by the name of Mama Temakeke Mokwan. And uh, she answered in a very peculiar way when asked a few questions. And I was really perplexed by the way she answered them, saying things like, you must protect me from yourself. Uh, That was just weird. But, you know, the videos of her have gone viral on social media. You know, I just go through my timeline and all I see is her and guys laughing at um, her ridiculous reactions. And I'm pretty sure someone's going to make a meme out of that. But if they don't, then oh well. It's not a problem. Talking about memes, there is the NPC memes. Um, So for those of you that don't know the NPC memes, these are a parody of the social justice warrior culture that's quite prevalent on the internet. And um, the NPC memes um, were started by 4chan, if I was not mistaken. And they use um, the memes in such a way to describe that there's this monotonous monoculture among social justice warriors meanwhile they say that diversity diversity is their strength so you can go check it out i think it's really funny how these memes are put together and what they actually portray if you want to have a good laugh just go on google and type npc memes n for november p for papa and c for charlie check that out i think you're going to have a great laugh now there's november so November's around the corner. So we know that uh, Men's Health Month. So the Men's Health Month is going to be uh, something good for this channel. Obviously, the name is Man Patria. So if you haven't known by now, you know, the word man, patria, you know, patria from patriarchy, of course. I mean, if you haven't figured that out, then really, you've been slow. But anyway, um, what I want to just use Men's Month for November to... I want to use it to um, discuss men's history, men's contributions to society, the good, maybe the bad and the ugly, but I want to focus mainly on the good stuff that men have uh, brought into this world and it'll just be good for men's awareness. So I'm looking forward to men's month and if you're a male listener, 
You're going to love November. You're going to love listening to me on Patreon during November. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be awesome. And also, if you like my podcast, if you like what I'm talking about and so forth, you can support me on Patreon. Uh, if you don't have Patreon, you can easily sign up for it and you can support me there. It's a place for people like you to support people like me so I can keep creating excellent content for uh, you great listeners. Um, you can contribute as little as $1 and that'll be great. And I really appreciate all the listens and all the plays and all the contributions that you guys make. Also last week, um, after last week's podcast, I've also had some good discussions on Facebook on the topics that I discussed, that I discussed last week rather. And, uh, really guys, don't be afraid to comment, you know, tell me what you think and so forth. If you have any suggestions, I'm open to listen to them. Okay. So don't be scared. Don't be scared. All right, so we're going to start with the main topic of this podcast, which is the equality of opportunity versus the equality of outcomes. So, ladies and gentlemen, you know, equality is a massive issue in our society today. It is um, something that uh, people are very passionate about. We even see today um, everywhere there's protests and you know, um, people discussing equality, they're talking about income inequality, gender inequality, racial inequality. There's so many forms of inequality in our world. And, um, you know, people love talking about this. They love to think that we must achieve equality some way, one way or the other. So I was reading Thomas Sowell's book called wealth poverty and politics and um, one thing that he mentioned in this book he said that inequality has always been there since the beginning of time and what surprises him is that people want to talk people make it sound like as if rather that equality is so easily attainable that we have to talk about the absence of it but what we see in this world is inequality think about it when the europeans first came into africa the Europeans had uh, weapons and uh, they had boats, they had compasses and so forth, that would, which helped them navigate the world. And when they encountered Africans, obviously Africans were, didn't, well, let me try put this um, as correctly as possible, but rather that Africans were not on the same level of them in terms of development. And that could be done for that could be due to many reasons but what we see is that there was inequality the europeans were ahead of africans with regards to technological advancements so inequality has always been there since the beginning of time so now it just takes me to milton friedman who distinguishes between the equality of outcomes versus the equality of opportunities so the equality of opportunities, um, now many of you would say that, well, it sounds like people must have equal opportunities. Yes, it does sound like that on the surface, but it's something different. So when you take it literally, the equality of opportunities, um, one may say that achieving equality of opportunities is very difficult, or some will even say impossible, because uh, not everybody will have the same opportunities in life. So think about it. So um, 
I was not born in the United States. So therefore, I won't have the same opportunities that other Americans have in playing American football, for example, and becoming like, I don't know, a quarterback or a, a receiver or something. So that's one thing. Another thing is that people are born, some people are born with disabilities. So some are born blind. Some are born with cerebral, cerebral palsy. <laughs> took me a while to say that. And that may inhibit someone from getting equal opportunity. So, of course, equal opportunities cannot be achieved because of the fact that the people are born in many different circumstances. However, on the conservative side, on the right, equality of opportunities can be summed up in a few words, which is that careers are open to the talents. So what it means is that every career is open to every individual who has the talents and the good fortune to have the good upbringing which will qualify him or her for that career. In other words, there will be no arbitrary obstacles in place that hinder people from acquiring the jobs or the careers that their talents build them towards. And according to Milton Friedman, a Nobel Prize winner, he says that the equality of opportunity in that sense is necessary for freedom. Then we have the equality of outcome. So people on the left tend to push the equality of outcomes. Personally, I'm not a big fan of the equality of outcomes. So the equality of outcome usually refers to the inequality of income, that they want people to earn the same, you know, that they need to decrease the income gaps between the rich and the poor. As I mentioned last week is that income inequality, remember, can may not necessarily be a bad thing because it could be that the poorest person may have enough to support themselves and still live a good life. So that's one thing. And also the equality of outcome, it's inconsistent with the equality of opportunity. It runs right in the face of the equality of opportunity. So think about it. You and your friends, you decide to have a FIFA tournament and you guys put money in and you say, whoever wins the tournament gets all the money. So you guys play. One person wins and he gets the money. But let's say you want to be a social justice warrior now. And then you say, you know what? Wait, 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 wait a minute. Rather, let's put money in. And after the tournament, everybody will get their money back. Now, obviously, this just kills the, the, the fun of the tournament. It kills the fun of playing. Why? Because it denies the players the opportunity to give their best so they can win all the money. And that's the problem with the equality of um, outcomes is that it doesn't take human uh, behavior into account because if there is, if you're going to get the same, no matter what you put in, what's the point in doing your best? So that's the problem I have with the equality of outcomes. So that's the difference between the equality of opportunities and the equality of outcomes. So last week, I mentioned that I was that I wanted to do a uh, analysis on an article that was on the conversation, which spoke about the equality of outcomes among um, Nobel Prize winners, especially 
for black people. So this article, you can go on theconversation.com and you can read it. This article is written by Winston Morgan and he's from the University of East London. Now, for the South Africans that are listening to this, um, we all know that East London is a city in South Africa and the Eastern Cape. As far as I know, there's no university in East London. So I'm pretty sure this is someone who's writing from the UK. So at least that's out of the way. So the title of his article is No Black Scientist Has Ever Won a Nobel. That's bad for science and bad for society. You know, already the, the, the title of the article, you know, is um, it, it's you can already assume that it's going to be one where they're going to be talking about, um, you know, like discrimination and so forth. But shockingly enough, it doesn't. But it does have really peculiar reasons as to why um, black people do not get Nobel Prizes. So check this out. I'm going to read the article paragraph by paragraph, and then I'm going to uh, give you my take on it. So the article starts off. Many in the scientific world are celebrating the fact that two women received this year's Nobel Prizes in Physics and Chemistry. Donna Strickland and Frances Arnold are the only 20th and 21st, sorry, 20th and 21st female scientists to be recognized by the Nobel Committee. Yet in over 100 years, we have never seen a black scientist become a Nobel laureate. Every year, the annual October Nobel Prize announcements coincide with Black History Month. Yes, and November is going to be um, Men's History Month on Manpatria. Okay, doesn't say that, but I just put that in there. The article continues, which is a painful reminder that of the more than 900 Nobel laureates, only 14, which is 1.5%, have been black and none in science. Almost all black laureates have been awarded for work in the fields of peace and literature, uh, 10 and 3 respectively. During that time, the closest a black scientist has come to winning has been, in, has been a social scientist, Arthur Lewis, for his work in economics in 1973. By contrast, there have been over 70 Asian laureates, the majority in the sciences, and since 2000, that number has significantly increased. This is partly due to the increase, increasing in influence and power of Japanese, Chinese, Korean universities, and the success of the Asian American Academy. To win a Nobel Prize for Science, it helps if you are in a prestigious institution and in a position to lead big, expensive science. So just keep that in consideration. Remember, I'm going to read that again. To win a Nobel Prize for Science, it helps if you are in a prestigious institution and in a position to lead big, expensive science. Okay, consider that. Keep that in mind. The article continues. The main reason why no black scientist has won a Nobel Prize is simply a matter of numbers. Not enough bright young black people are choosing science. Alongside the more limited opportunities for black Africans, black people in Western countries are less likely to study science, less likely to achieve a top degree, and less likely to progress to scientific careers. So just taking that paragraph into consideration, sounds to me that it does sound like a numbers issue so it, it's like someone can say why aren't there lots of white players within the nba or why are there so many 
black players within the NBA, even though black people make up about 14% of the US population. It just could be interest. Interest just could be the reason as to why there are so many people of each and every race within within a specific sector, whether it be sports and so forth. So the numbers argument sounds correct. So you would think at this point, the article just ends there and okay, we can pack our bags and go home. Nope, it's not like that. Then the article continues. To even be considered as a possible Nobel laureate, you must be a principal investigator or a professor in a leading institution. Yet once a black science graduate makes it into the first rung on the academic ladder, they face the same challenges as any other black academic around access to promotion and access to resources. For example, we know black scientists in the US are are less likely to receive funding for health research. So in this, um, for that particular claim that we know that black scientists in the US are, are less likely to receive funding for health research, I looked at the the study that they brought up and it's quite interesting. It seems to me that um, based on that article, it states that uh, race is not particularly a variable when it comes to um, determining if someone gets uh, a uh, gets funding for particular research. In fact, it's really what they're researching. If they if what they're researching is good and they can convince others that this is the way forward, then they will get the funding. But what I found very interesting when I looked at the graphs, they were, they were showing um, applicants that were trained versus untrained. And a black person, right, is more likely to get funding than, an, than a Hispanic person if they are trained. So, you know, but if they're not trained, of course, they're not likely to get much. So when people make claims such as um, so-and-so is less likely to achieve X. Now, the question you should be asking is less likely than who? That's the question because when they just say less likely, it could be that they're less likely to you know, achieve X than one certain group, but they're more likely to achieve X than the, than the rest of the groups. So just be careful of that. So just keep that in consideration. Okay, so it continues. To become a professor, you need support from your institution and to find at least four existing professors at other institutions who will support your application and certify that you're a leader in your field with an international reputation. This requires building large internal and external networks. For many reasons, not enough black academics work in the institutions where such reputations and networks are made, significantly reducing the possibility of being promoted to professors. So again, it's what I said earlier. You know, if you want to get funding, you have to convince, you have to get backing. You got to get people to support your cause and support your research. So again, this is correct. Um, It seems that black people are not as likely to get Um, this backing because they're not building the right networks that could be the case all right article continues this is also something of a circular problem it seems highly likely the perception that black people don't reach the highest level in science has in some ways affected the success of black people in science 
Research suggests female role models can encourage women to pursue careers in science. And the same seems likely to be true for black people. Having a black Nobel laureate would inspire more black students to become black professors, which in turn would inspire more black people to study science. Now, okay, with that paragraph, it's a yes and a no from me. Yes, it is true that if you have a role model for a particular uh, racial group, then therefore you may see more people from that racial group participating in that. But at the same time, it can also be false. Like I said, there's many other factors as to why black people do not uh, study science. It could be that black people would rather have a career where there's a lot of financial gain for them. So as a result, they would rather take those careers. Therefore, they get sacrificed within science. So it's not like as if um, there's some sort of discrimination or some sort of, um, you know, invidious force that's causing this. It just could be that if black people are given the choice, not many of them will take science. So that's how it is, you know. So, but whether, would it be that if more black people took science, um, physical science as a career, would there be more of them in there? Uh, I, I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. It could be that black people haven't really considered taking science as a career. So Thomas Sowell, uh, in an interview of, uh, a few years back, he, he stated that when he was looking for a job and when he was broke, it never occurred to him that he could become a police officer. Not even once. So even though he was looking for jobs and so forth, it never occurred to him that him being a, he could be a police officer. And that could also be the case with black people going into science. It just could be that they haven't really considered it. It never crossed their minds that they, be could, that they could become a black professor. That could be another reason. So now this is where, okay, now at this point, this is where the article really turns for the worst. Here we go. During my own undergraduate studies, Many courses began with the professor describing the inspirational work on, of a Nobel laureate who was usually a white man. These individuals were elevated to superhuman status, people we should aspire to be like because their hard work had transcended the field. This clearly appealed to me as it reinforced my desire to become a scientist. Okay, so when he looked at this, he saw the... The, these Nobel Prize winners and he was like wow you know this is great you know I want to be part of that too and this inspired him to get there notice how he said in the in the previous paragraph that you know if black people had role models it would probably make them more likely for them to study science but it seems to him that he really wanted to pursue such a career to get a Nobel Prize most probably and to work hard so that he could be, become successful within science. Notice how even though these men were white, he was still able to say, hey, I want to do that. So it's almost like he disproved his own, um, his own assumptions. Like I said, almost like, not like he certainly disproved it. All right, so he continues. But at the same time, as a black student, Achieving that level of success or even anything along that path appeared far more distant as there was never a black laureate on the list. 
well, that's now that's his own mind speaking. I mean, someone can say, you know what, even if there's no black person on the list, I can be the first black person. Article continues. Although I was not deterred by this fact, okay, I have no doubt it had an impact not just on me, but my fellow white students and more importantly, my tutors and later my university employers and those awarding research grants. A black Nobel laureate would have made it easier for them to see me as a potential high achiever and treat me accordingly. Now that for me is probably the worst thing I have read in a long time. Seriously, I, I think I'm going to go on a rant now. This is crazy. So he's saying in this, in this instance that because there was no black Nobel Prize winner, then it made it hard for these tutors or the guys that gave research grants to see that he could be a high performer. I mean, it's not like as if these guys go in a meeting and say, hmm, let's take this guy's research. What's his name again? Oh, his name is Michael Smith. He's what? He's white. Oh, yeah, white people always do well. Let's give him the money. Come on, man. This is crazy. Really, this is, this is an insult to academics, in my opinion. I think, again, it just goes back to what I'm saying. If your research is good and you can get the, the right backing and you can get the right people to support you, you will be seen as someone that can be a leader in your field. It has nothing to do with your skin color. If you look at all the Nobel Prize winners, most of them are Jewish. Jewish people make up a small population in the world. So how is it that so many Jewish people were able to get Nobel Prizes? You know, is it, are you telling me that they discriminated against many other races? Of course not. So for me, I think this is probably the worst paragraph. I mean, if I was reading this thing and I was an editor, I would say remove that paragraph. Because this whole article he spoke about, he gave the numbers as to why there are not many black people within science. And then he says in his own experience, the reason why he hasn't been, well, he didn't say he hasn't been doing so well, but he says that if there was Nobel Prize winners, um, he would be seen as a high achiever or a potential higher achiever and they would treat him accordingly. And I, and I find that to be silly. So since many of the Nobel Prize winners have been Jewish, okay, all right, see if he has any Jewish friends and see if they are experiencing that same success that he thinks that many white people are experiencing. So for me personally, I disagree with this. I think his experiences are being misrepresented. It may not be due to his, the color of his skin. It just could be that he doesn't possess the right skills necessary to actually move forward or that his research is not groundbreaking enough for him to get the funding um, or to... Um, you know, or maybe he's competing in a very competitive field in getting employed into university. You know, we don't know. There's so many factors that can play into this. And that's what I'm saying. You know, we, we just cannot really boil it down to race. And that's the problem with academics today is that it just seems to me that identity politics is just infesting academics and everywhere else. And it's making people... Um, make oh it's wouldn't say making but rather people are are coming to the wrong conclusions as a result of these identity politic nar politics narratives which i think in my opinion should be abandoned okay so the article continues the last paragraph or the last two paragraphs 
More black scientists wouldn't just be a victory for equality, but would benefit wider society. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about that. I mean, it, it just doesn't... I mean, I think it's not about black scientists. We need more good scientists, whether if they're black or white. The more better scientists we have, the better for our society. That's what I would say. For example, conditions such as diabetes, heart disease, cancer, and many others have a higher incidence in people of black or African heritage. Yet, research is often biased towards studying white people. Okay, so now, now I find this very, very interesting. So, if conditions such as diabetes and heart disease and cancer occur more in um, people of black or African heritage, while at the same time, the research is biased towards studying white people, then my question is, how did they know in the first place that uh, these uh, diseases occur more likely among black people? Sounds like a contradiction, man. You know what I mean? Like, what came first? You know, it, it, just, sounds, it just sounds odd to me. But anyway, the article continues. More black scientists, especially in leading positions, could bring greater focus, understanding and different insights into investigating these conditions. I disagree with that. A white scientist could also come to the same conclusions and also make the same findings. It's not about skin color. It's about what is being researched. The article continues. They could also help lead the decolonization of science again with wider advantages to society. I could Now, this is where it just goes like down south. You know, when you're just driving and then you just drive off the cliff. This is where he just drove off the cliff. Decolonizing science. Yo, this, 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 this is one thing that really gets to me sometimes. Why do we need to decolonize science? For what? You know, for what purpose do we need to decolonize science? I remember last week I, I spoke about this. And what I find very interesting about this situation is that when it comes to the decolonization of science, especially in South Africa, I remember that one student from UCT who was saying that we have to decolonize science because science cannot explain witchcraft, cannot explain lightning that just comes out of the air and strikes someone, you know, and it's not a rainy day. It's like broad daylight. So whether if that happens or not, it doesn't mean that now we must decolonize science. Ridiculous. I mean, that's like saying we should de we should throw away science because science can't explain moral values and duties. You know what I mean? There's no way in science that we can explain if the Holocaust was morally incorrect. Science has its place within knowledge. You know, explaining, you know, theories of the physical world that we're living in. But just because it cannot explain one aspect doesn't mean it has to be decolonized. You know, and this drive for the decolonization of science is for me foolish and ridiculous. It's like almost trying to change an abstract object. It's like saying, hey guys, we need to advance or we need to enhance the number seven. How do you enhance the number seven? You know what I mean? It, you know, on, on paper, it's a complete sentence. But in, in, in reality, when you want to put it in practice, it's something that's impossible. All we're trying to do is trying to change abstract objects, which in my opinion... Is, is impossible. And I just think to say that we need to decolonize science is foolish. So 
Now, on that decolonization of science, the writer takes us to an article titled Decolonized Science, Time to End Another Imperial Era. So I'm not going to go through the whole article, but I'm going to go to the end. And, and it's very um, interesting what the writer states. So this decolonization article is written by um, Rohan Debroy. He's a lecturer in South Asian history. He's a lecturer in South Asian history at the University of Reading. Man, it's only and it's and it's funny how this is not written by an African. They're talking about decolonization, but it's not Africans writing it. It's the British. My goodness, my goodness. I don't know what I don't know what's up with these guys, man. Yeah, but anyway, um, here it is. This is what this is what he says in the last paragraph. This is what he wrote rather in the last paragraph, and check this out. Decolonization promises to make science more appealing by integrating its findings more firmly with the questions of justice, ethics, and democracy. Guys, science is not made for that. Okay? Science is not made to integrate with justice, ethics, and democracy. It's not. It's there to explain phenomena of the, um, of the physical world. So if I want to know if, let's say, for example... Um, how fast the speed of light travels. I would use science to get that. If I want to know that if I'm traveling at 400 kilometers an hour and I hit a wall, what will happen? You know, if I want to know those type of things, I would use science. Now, how are you going to use those type of findings and integrate them with ethics? You know, the fact is science has its place. Okay, how are you going to take the findings of the special theory of relativity and integrate it with justice? Really? I mean, this, this, is, this is out of control, people. It's out of control. And, and that's the problem I have. It's just that, you know, this whole social justice warrior movement is just infesting many places and now it's science. And there are no advantages if science becomes decolonized, whatever that's supposed to mean, because I've tried to look at what they mean by decolonizing science and... I couldn't find a clear, concise definition of what it means to decolonize science. And that's the worrying thing. It just, it's like going into a, um, a bar and then you say, hey, everyone, free beer. And everyone goes, yeah, they're celebrating. Yeah, free beer, free beer. You know, people respond positively to it, you know, and that's all you get. But, you know, in the decolonization of science aspect, yes, people who hate colonialism will respond to it positively the same way people in a bar will respond positively to you saying uh, free beer. But in that sense, what does it mean to decolonize science? So if you are listening to this and you have got a clear definition of what it means to decolonize science, you can actually put it in the comment section um, in the on SoundCloud. Um, I'll try to put this on YouTube. You can do that there as well. If not, if you see this on social media, you can also um, comment there and tell it and tell me what it means to decolonize science because I have no idea what this means. So just to clear it up, science has its place. Um, and uh, don't think that because science can't explain one thing, it means that we need to throw it out the window. Um, there's also... Or we need to 
change it up or something like that. So there was one quote by Alvin Plantinga, one of my favorite philosophers. He stated that science has made a lot of, and I'm paraphrasing, sorry. Science has made a lot of great advances. However, it's not the whole knowledge enterprise. And that's how I view science. It's one of the pillars of knowledge that we as human beings have and that we can use to answer certain questions. And we can see and, and also to investigate if it can answer particular questions. And if it can't, then we'll have to use another source of knowledge. Okay. All right. So the last paragraph of this article, it reads, So how can we increase the chances of black scientists becoming a Nobel laureate? We cannot wait for Africa to have the same political and economic powers. Asia, looking at the 49 women, no, women Nobel Prize winners, of which 21 were scientists, and only three in physics, we see a similar challenge. But with the advent of many successful campaigns backed by political action to increase the number of women in science, particularly in the leading institutions and in leading positions, the number of women laureates is likely to increase significantly. If we want more black scientists and eventually Nobel laureates, then similar direct strategic action is urgently needed. And that's where the article ends. And I also have to do disagree with that last part okay with that last paragraph first of all if you want more black scientists i think we need to go on awareness campaign first of all um what we need to do is that we don't have to um have political action i doubt it i just think it's rather a campaign where you just tell people what careers you can do so for example when i was still in high school when i was in matric in grade or and grade 11, uh, people came to our school and they were saying, hey, you can study here and you can study A, B, C, and D. Um, you can also take a career in A, B, C, and D. And I just think awareness needs to be, needs to be um, uh, achieved here. We need to get more awareness on the careers that people can take. Now, does it need political action? No, the government must stay out of this. This is something that the public must do. People need to make their own decisions on what they want to do with their lives. If black people would rather study a BSc in, in, um, in engineering and so forth, then fine, allow them to do that. You know, if black people, you know, want to study a BCom or whatever, allow them to do that. If it appeals more to black people, then fine. But there's nothing wrong with also saying, hey, you can also take a career in X. But what, what more research, well, let me put it this way. Research needs to be done more in why people choose the careers they want and why people choose to study certain degrees based on race and gender and so forth. I think more research is needed there. And if you want to get more Nobel Prize laureates for, well, black people winning Nobel Prizes, I think that we need to tell black people that if they enter into this, um, if they want to become a Nobel Prize winner, what is required of them to do so? They need to be taught the right skills so that they can get the correct backing so that they can... So the first thing that they need is that they need to study something that's groundbreaking. That's the first thing. And then they need to get the correct backing. So they need to network. They need to speak to the right people. They need to be in the correct institutions. They need to get funding and so forth. That is what is needed to get more black people to win is that they need to understand 
what is required in order to win these prizes or to be considered. We can't just think that based on sheer numbers alone, that if we just get more black students within science, then we'll have a Nobel Prize winner. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. They black people need to be taught what is required to win these prizes. And they can get that information from people who have won those prizes before. So there has to be also some type of knowledge transfer as well. So again, people, this is um, an issue of the equality of outcomes where we got we see someone here who believes that there's not enough black people um, winning Nobel Prizes. But what I do like about this article is that he doesn't suggest that um, for us to achieve equality, we need to forego um, the, the practices that we've always used that has made people successful in order to achieve it. But what I do disagree with is that he says that we need campaigns that are backed by political, um, sorry, campaigns that are backed by political action. No, because usually when politics get politics are involved, um, what are they going to do? They're going to create quotas and they're going to say that for every white person selected, there needs to be three black people selected, that type of thing. And that's not going to help black people in the long run. In fact, it's going to make things worse for them because now they're going to, now people are going to be, um, or black folks are going to be just selected because they are black, not because of the fact that they actually have something groundbreaking. We need to go out there and find grind, uh, groundbreaking research. We need to do the correct research so that we can actually go out there and get these prizes. So as a black person, I just think it's all about hard work and doing the right things in order to get the prize. And I don't think politics needs to get involved within academia. I think academia has made many strides, especially within science. And if you look at all the greatest theories that we've ever known today as a result of science, it came as a result of scientists working hard and finding, um, well, doing what they need to do to uh, find these theories and prove them. So... Um, it, there was no politics involved in that. It was just scientists just working and finding out um, certain things about the world that we live in. So why don't we get, afford that opportunity to black people as opposed to just saying that, hey, let's just get more black people in for the sake of doing so. And this takes me to the point of Milton Friedman when he spoke about um, the equality of opportunities. And what is very important is that um, equality of opportunities is seen as no arbitrary obstacles in place that hinder people from acquiring the jobs and the careers that their talents um, build them towards. So I think within science, the equality of opportunities should be adopted, that there shouldn't be any arbitrary ob obstacles at all. So if black people want to get those prizes, they should follow the right process. They should have the... They should be of the correct talent, be of the correct caliber so that they can um, achieve more within science. And hopefully one day we will get a Nobel Prize winner who's black, but I don't think that should be the objective. The, sh the objective should be that advances in science are made. And if a winner is black or white or woman, that's also great. But that shouldn't be the primary objective. 
Okay, that takes me to the end of this podcast. As always, if you like this podcast, you can support me on Patreon. Other than that, um, I will see you soon. Thanks a lot.